Thank you, Trey. Wow, so good to see all of you here today. Today's one of those Sundays where you don't know exactly who's going to be here or not. And you appreciate all the folks who work so hard here at Landmark. Uh, we've been scrambling the last couple of days with people on the praise team. Jeremy Swindle himself um, has COVID. Yeah, pray for him. Lots of folks working upstairs, you know, have uh, had to back out today. So we are, it just makes me so thankful for the people in this church who just step up and do what needs to be done. It's one of those days you're really thankful we have a live stream because we know we have lots of folks at home uh, that are worshiping along with us. So, so thankful to stand up and see so many of you here today. It's a crazy day outside, but it's a wonderful day in here. Um, Dan mentioned so many things going on. Uh, next week, actually, in your lifelines, we're going to give you a calendar because he just touched the hem of everything going on over the next month and a half. Uh, we've had a good break over the holidays, great holidays, and now we get to, to crank things up. And one thing I want to mention today is next Sunday, we start back Bible class. I know we've missed that. And there's a list. The Bible classes are a little bit different. Not all of our age-divided classes Young professionals will be meeting with uh, Jeff Arrington, Young Families, Ron Cantrell, and then some special studies going on. Uh, John Atchison's been working a long time on a special study on the plagues. I think you get a whole lot out of. Rob McFarland, uh, we asked him a few months ago after we went through the study together as a church to look back at our restoration roots and help us understand where we've come from and who we are, and he has really, really put a lot of time into that. And then uh, Dan mentioned our small group refuel. Um, all of these are six weeks. Some may be a little bit longer. Miss Sarah also, I don't see, is teaching the Sermon on the Mount for ladies. So lots of good options. When it comes to small group refuel, what we want to do is for six weeks have all of our small group leaders, prospective small group leaders, spouses in one room. Part of the idea is just to be together, to remind ourselves of why we do this to get some more training to be better leaders and to invite uh, some new folks. So if you have any, any outside chance that you might want to grab two or three friends or go to your neighborhood and start a small group, please join that next Sunday morning. So you got a lot going on next Sunday morning to choose from. So think about that as you prepare to be here. This morning I want to start with three pictures. And the question I want to ask you and the question I want to ask myself is, if I had been in these situations, would have I stood? One's a, a picture of three biblical characters. You might not recognize them because we're not quite sure how they look. Go ahead and show that picture. That is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the situation they're in. God's people are in exile. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has been talked into an edict that says we're going to build this golden... Um, a form to worship, and if you don't bow down, you're going to be in trouble. And in fact, it says those who do not fall down and worship will be thrown in the fiery furnace. So the nation has gathered thousands of people. This golden image, idols presented. Everybody bows except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know the story. They were thrown in the fiery furnace and delivered. How about this character of history, Martin Luther? He's um, pretty tired of the abuses found in the church. He believes in the authority of Scripture and the gospel of grace. And so he nails his 95 thesis to the door of the church building. 
he um, is asked to recant. And if he doesn't recant, he'll be completely excommunicated. And Martin Luther says in that moment, here I stand, I can do no other. And then one a little bit closer to home. We all know about Rosa Parks who stood by sitting. Many of you probably watched the movie though about some other people who stood up in that day. It's called The Long Walk Home. You can see Miriam Thompson played by Sissy Spacek. You can see Odessa Cotter played by Whoopi Goldberg. But in this movie, The Long Walk Home is during the Montgomery bus boycott. And Miriam is this white housewife whose maid is um, Odessa. And she decides, instead of her having to walk all the way across town, she is going to go and meet her. And so she meets her at this spot in Cloverdale where all the carpooling is going on. Odessa is sort of shocked to see her. It says, don't you see the police over there? She said, yes. And she said, well, you know you could get in trouble by helping me here. And she said, I know, maybe, maybe I'll get a ticket. And then Odessa says to her, to, to Mary and Miss Thompson, it ain't just tickets. Once you step over there, I don't know if you can ever step back. Ain't nobody going to think less of you if you just turn back around and go back to your house. But she wouldn't back down. And I wonder, if I'd been where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, how easy it would have been to bow. Nobody would have cared. Nobody shared my religion. What if I stood up? If I'd been Martin Luther that was going against everything the church was teaching at that point, would have I stood or would have I backed down? And if I'd been living in our very city, through the bus boycott, would have I been a person to say, you know what, we're going to break some of these lines even if I can never walk back and nobody's going to care whether I do it or not. My question for us this morning is would I have stood? And the question as we go in this new year is will I stand in 2020? You know as well as I do. We live in a a nation that is drifting, where the morals are drifting, priorities are drifting, truth is drifting. And in the midst of this, so many Christians are compromising. And the question for us, when it would be easier to compromise than to stand up for what we really truly believe is in the Word of God, is will we stand? Or will we just go along? Paul has these same concerns when he's writing the church at Ephesus. Now listen, Ephesus was a large, modern city. So some of the issues in Ephesus were idol worship, illicit sexual relationships, and focus on foolish philosophies. Think about those things. Does that not sound like America in the year 2022? Worshiping things we ought not to. Sex is okay in every situation. And you know what? We've got all kinds of crazy philosophies going out there. And Paul says, I know you're going to face this. And I want you to be strong. And I want you to stand. Notice how many times in Ephesians 6 verse 10, the word stand is used. Start with me in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you feel like you're living in the middle of that? When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of the faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Did you notice what Paul says there? He says, guys, I know you're going to have a lot of pressure. Take your stand. Stand your ground. Stand firm. After you've done everything, stand. So this morning I want to challenge us as we enter this new year to stand. Let me tell you some things I learned from these verses. First of all, we've got to stand alert. It's easy to miss that there's a battle going on. Now, now, why is that easy to miss? Because it's going on in the spiritual realm. Paul says, man, don't, don't confuse who your enemy is as the people you see here in flesh and blood. Paul says, your enemy is in the spiritual realm. You can't see him. And you can't always see the warfare going on. Now, you see the fruit of that warfare. You see the broken marriages. You see the broken relationships. You see the division. You see the hatred. But it's not because you ought to, you know, think your spouse is the enemy or your children are the enemy or the opposite political party is the enemy or you name it's the enemy. The enemy is up here. And you've got to be aware there's a spiritual battle going on that shows up in physical places. And Paul's been saying that the whole book of Ephesians. There's some good things going on in the heavenly realms. Just thumb through Ephesians with me. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 20. He exerted this when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's not just evil beings. Jesus is there. Look at chapter 2, verse 6. We're there, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Chapter 3, verse 10. The angels are watching this battle. His intent was that now through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What's he saying? When we are who we ought to be, it communicates to angels and demons in the heavenly realms about what's true. And then we just looked at chapter 6, verse 12, where he tells us that our battle is going on in the heavenly realms. Now, I love this Priscilla Shire quotation. Just because Satan is invisible does not make him fictional. Think about that for a second. You see, because guys, we don't see him. Because the red devil ham character doesn't 
knock on my door and show up and say, hey, I'd like to, you know, get you to go to hell. I mean, we don't sin. But because it's not so obvious, we can act like it's not there. I mean, through history, most of history, mankind did not know about bacteria because it was invisible. And it lowered the, the life expectancy of most people because we didn't know what was making everybody sick. But when bacteria was discovered, and we knew that raw piece of chicken on your countertop, if not clean, could cause terrible trouble, things changed. It was real. It was not fictional, but it was invisible. And what I'm saying to you today is that you and I are in a warfare that to us does not always feel real because it's invisible. But guys, we look all around us. You know, we look at all the problems and culture and all the crazy beliefs and all the, you know, division. Guys, it's manifesting itself. But what we tend to do is think, the problem is I'm depressed. The problem is my marriage isn't so good. The problem is my children are misbehaving. The problem is I can't get along with my boss. Those things may all be true. But what you've got to do is look behind that. I'm having a problem with church. You've got to look behind that. Who is manipulating that? It's Satan. And so we've got to be alert. It reminds me of the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, James, and John are there with Jesus. This is the climax of the spiritual warfare for the world, where Satan is going to try to thwart Jesus and his plans. And Jesus says to his disciples, guys, can y'all stay alert? Would you please stay awake? I need you to stay awake with me. And they sleep. And they don't see Satan slithering and whispering in the ear of Jesus. That reminds me of so many of us where we are today. We're picking the wrong battles with the wrong folks. And we're forgetting the battle spiritual. And guys, if we're not aware of what's going on, then we're so vulnerable. And the next, we've also got to just stay aware of Satan's schemes. That's what, that's what Paul says. He says, the devil has schemes. Can I tell you this this morning? He's got a scheme tailor-made for you. Some translations say he's got a strategy. He knows how to get you in a place where you're messed up and far from God. Now, let me just give you five of his schemes. You say, well, where did you come up with these five? Well, as we study through here, these five are, are the opposite of the armor that God wants to give us, okay? So we're, we're going to be studying the next weeks the armor of God. Well, what's the armor of God about? It's about defeating the strategies of Satan. So I want to give you a list this morning. I want you to be really introspective about a Satan using this strategy on you. The first one is really obvious. It's deception. Because understand, Satan is a deceiver. He could even appear as an angel of light. How powerful is he? <laughs> I mean, you know, he is so powerful that he can make right things look wrong, right? And wrong things look right. Just look at our culture. If you're a teenager growing up in America today, 
Does it really look right to be holy, to be pure, to not be enveloped in the partying scene like all of your friends? No, that feels wrong. And in, in, in that moment, the culture and everyone's saying you, when you're missing out on everything. I mean, why would you not sleep with your girlfriend? Why won't you get drunk with us on Friday night? Why? I mean, right things actually look wrong. Wrong things actually look right. Now, we can talk about teenagers, but the same is true for us as adults. What may feel right to me to live a selfish life with God not being my priority and the kingdom of God not being my business, it may look right. I might do what I want to do when I want to do it on my... It may feel right, but it's wrong. And then people who get spiritual, you know, and, and they pray and they go to church and they do right things, a lot of our culture says, you're wrong. So understand here, he's, he's powerful enough to make right things look wrong and wrong things look right. But let me tell you how really powerful he is. He is powerful enough to get America to the point today where we do not believe there's anything like right and wrong. I saw a poll this week. A majority of evangelical Christians do not believe in absolute truth. Talking about powerful. And we'll talk about this more next week. We talk about truth. Guys, he's powerful enough to make us think there is no such thing as truth. No basis for your life. So number one is just outright deception. Number two is disobedience. If he can't get you deceived, he's just going to get you to disobey. If he can't convince you that it's really right or wrong and mix all that up, then he's going to have people say blatantly, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm going to do this. I know that's what the Bible says about divorce, but I think God wants to make me happy. I know what the Bible says about Sex outside of marriage, but we're in love. I know what the Bible says about drunkenness, but I can't go anywhere where the alcohol is not freely flowing and abused. So he gets us the place, and, and some of it is not blatant. Some of it is just oblivious. Some of the reason we disobey guys is because we're not asking the right questions. Back to the divorce thing. And maybe your marriage is struggling right now and you're not happy. And Satan says you're not happy, you deserve to be happy. People who think that way never go, well, what does God say about this? I was talking to a friend from out of town the other day and she made a comment that just really, really bothered me. Because she's had some bad experiences. Who hadn't? She says, I'm done with church. Okay. Gotcha. I know you feel that way. I can understand that. We've all been hurt before, right? But when does someone say, what pleases God? When does someone say, you know, I know I feel this way and I'm reacting this way, but there is a truth. Is it okay with God, as hard as it is, for me to be done with church? So he can just make you disobey. Because we've got to ask a bigger question more than what I like or what I feel like or what I think. That's what's getting us in trouble. It's our own thinking. It's the world's philosophies. When we've got 
a book that says, hey, judge it by this. And yet, I hear so many people see, say things, even Christian people, that I, I go, you didn't even think about what God might think about that. So we got deceit, we've got disobedience, and then one for a lot of us is distress. He wants to steal our peace. You see, what Satan, one of his greatest tactics is for those of us who are walking with God to come into our life, and this is what he does. He magnifies our problems and he minimizes God's promises. We talked a lot of the last two years because this has been stressful days. And most of us have experienced it. We don't know what's coming around the corner. We don't know how to react. We hear so many mixed messages about what you should do and you shouldn't do. And we're distressed. And we magnify these problems. And we don't magnify the promises of God. You go, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that God is in control. But what Satan would like to do is he'd like you to get stressed out enough that you lose your joy and you'll be of no help for God. And the next one is disbelief. I just start doubting God. How did, why did God let that happen? Does he really exist? Maybe that's not the question for most of us. The question for many of us is not, did he, does he really exist? It's probably, does he really care? How did he let this happen? How did he let my loved one pass away? How did he put us in this situation? And so many of us deal with disbelief. If you don't deal with disbelief, maybe it's number five, is discouragement. Disbelief is you doubt God. Discouragement is you doubt yourself. Am I really saved? Could God use me? Can I make a difference? I mean, I've done some pretty rotten things. Can God forgive me? I've tried to make an impact for God and I failed. And so why should I try in 2022? So many of us live in discouragement. And guys, you might blame your discouragement on somebody. But that'd be a big mistake. You need to blame your discouragement on the one who brought it, which is Satan. So guys, we gotta, we got to stand aware. And then next um, Sunday, we'll start talking about how do we stand armed. Because the armor matches every one of these tactics, these strategies. If you want to fight deception, you better believe in truth. If you want to fight disobedience, you better be righteous. If you want to not be distressed, you better find the peace of God. If you want to overcome disbelief, you need faith. If you overcome discouragement, you need assurance from the helmet of salvation. So we'll look at those pieces of armor. And then after that, we'll look at one more piece, which is the sword, because the sword is the offensive piece. So not only are we here to stand our ground, but we've been given the power from the sword of the Spirit to gain ground. So let me say this. We need to all stand victorious. You say, okay, I know there's a day coming. Guys, God wants you to stand in victory right now. He's already won the battle. If you have your Bible, your phone, 
Got a moment? Look over in Revelation chapter 12. We talked about the war early, back during Christmas that went on to try to, to destroy Jesus from the very beginning out of Mary's womb. And that war continued, that spiritual warfare. Look at Revelation 12 verse 7. Listen to this. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon, that's Satan, was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. Mm. He was hurled to the earth, his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night. That's what Satan's trying to do to you right now. He's accusing you. He's telling you you're not worthy. He's telling you could not live different in 2022. He's accusing you day and night. He's been hurled down. Look at verse 11. Here's where we hold on. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. What's he saying there? The victory is ours. So even in the middle of the warfare around us, we stand on victorious ground. It makes all the difference. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. You know, it's like watching a football game where you know the, the result. Some of you have a hard time to believe it, but I rewatched the Iron Bowl the other day. And you know what? The first 58 minutes, when I watched it the first time, were absolutely miserable. I, I don't know that I've ever watched a game where I was more frustrated. But you know what happened the last few minutes? Some of you don't want to know what happened, but it happened, okay? And it was one of those freaky things that normally we don't get. But you know, now when I go back to watch it, I can watch the awful plays and all the penalties and all the bobbles and everything bad and not be uptight about it because I know ultimately, my team anyway, won the victory. And guys, that's the way it is with us and God. Guys, we are in the middle of a warfare. There's no question about it. If you don't see that, if you said to me today, I don't see the warfare, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you have already been beaten. You don't see it, you're not aware. But, 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 but what God says is, is you fight this, you stand in a place of victory. Uh, let me use the illustration here, it's going to make some of you uncomfortable, but that's my job. Okay, Let, let's see. Um, what's the problem with opening umbrellas? It's bad luck. Let, let me just remind you, young lady, that is not Scripture. Okay, <laughs> that is a superstition, all right? And you say, I tried to research, how did that superstition start? Well, some people thought back in Egypt, but more than likely what happened is by the time they developed these umbrellas with all these metal spokes and you're in a little house and you open it up, you're going to knock somebody's eye out, okay? <laughs> so it's a good idea to say it's bad luck, but that's not the truth, okay? So we're not going to stand on that. But here's what I want you to see today, okay? When we stand in the truth of who God says we are, when we stand in this victory, now, now listen, it's raining all around us, right? 
The war is going on all around us. It's raining everywhere else. But I stand dry. And, and when we put our faith in the blood of the Lamb, as it said in Revelation chapter 12, we stand under the cover of God. We stand under the grace of God. And so when everything around us is going crazy, we have a place to stand and a place to fight from security. Because that's, that's what, how I want us to lead into communion today. Because when we stand at communion, we stand at the foot of the cross. We stand at the place of the cross and the resurrection. The cross, beyond a shadow of a doubt, proves the love of God. You are absolutely 100% loved. Nothing else God could do to prove that. The resurrection proves, beyond a shadow of doubt, the power of God. He can do anything about anything. He's going to be victorious. And so every Sunday when we gather and we take this together, listen, my friends, we are standing on victorious ground. We are covered. If the worst thing were to happen to you today, it would be the best thing to happen to you, right? We stand. Oh, I'm not trying to deny, and Paul's not trying to deny, there's a mess going on all around us. And it's raining. But we have this moment right now to remember we stand on the ground that's already been taken by Jesus Christ. And if you understand that, then this spiritual warfare topic we're talking about is not so intimidating. Because the victory's been won. And no matter what everybody else screams at us and every temptation thrown your way, you and I have the opportunity to stand and to be covered. So, let's pray together and let's take communion. Father, we thank you so much, God, that in the midst of a very difficult topic we're talking about today, that we have an enemy who's attacking us and that we, we need to be aware, we need to be awake. We have a battle that must be fought. And God, if ever there was a day where your people needed to stand for something, it's today. But Lord, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We stand on the grace of God. We stand on the power of God. We stand on the love of God. And yes, everything around us is going crazy, but we take this moment every Sunday to remember who we are and what you have done for us, that you have already claimed the victory and that we are victorious by the blood of the Lamb. Help us to remember and celebrate that right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Section of Ephesians 6. With Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20, after Paul said all of the things that we've been studying today, he calls upon God's people to pray. Look at verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, here we go, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That includes Paul. As strong as Paul was in this battle, he needed prayers. Pray also for me. 
that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So our last point today is that we need to stand together. Satan has a lot better chance of picking you off when you're not living under that umbrella of grace, when you're not living under the protection of a church family. Now, how do we stand together? We pray. Some people here would say, you know, prayer is the seventh piece of the armor. I I don't really look at it that way. I think there are six pieces of armor. I think prayer is the way you activate the other, pe- the other armor. And so um, today we're going to close our service out with just a time of prayer. And before we do that, though, I want to give you some ideas from our message of what you might need prayers about. So let's show the five things again. And as you look over that list, here's my question for you today, and stay with me just a couple more minutes. Which of these strategies, some translations say, which of these wiles, the old translation says, which of these schemes is Satan using on you? Is he working hard to deceive you? Are you just being disobedient to God in some areas? You know what God said, you're just disobeying. Are you stressed out today and lost your joy? Are you struggling with belief? Not just that God exists, but that he really cares and really is going to do something for you? Or are you more upset about your own self? You just struggle with discouragement. You failed enough. Life's been tough enough that you enter the new year. You're one of these people that goes, I, I, I don't enter the new year to make any resolutions. I understand that. Because I've made them so many times and failed so many times, I'm just discouraged. I just am sort of the way I am, and I'm probably just going to stay that way. So which of these five schemes is Satan using on you? Just be honest with yourself. Now, I'm going to make responding today really easy. I'm going to stand up here with just little cards and pens. And, And all you've got to do is come up here. Take one of these cards, write your name on it, and write which of these schemes. And maybe this is not an exhaustive list, and there's another scheme Satan's using on you. Just write that down. I'm not even going to publicly read them. But this will give our shepherds this week an opportunity to pray for you at the beginning of this year about what Satan is using on you. So all you got to do, come up here. John Noel, will you help me? I'm going to let you hold the pens. I'll hold the little cards. And uh, what we're going to do is you just come. I'll give you the card. He'll give you a pen. All you got to do is put your name and put the scheme. In fact, we're going to go ahead and start. I'm going to give cards to the worship team, all right? You guys don't normally get to respond, and I know you're sinners. So here we go. Okay, excuse me. Johnny, I'll give them some pens, all right? Let them. You guys just take a chance but, or an opportunity right now just before we start singing. Because, guys, you know what? When people lead worship, they're under attack. And so I want you guys to be able to write down, how do you think Satan's coming after you? So this week that you can be prayed for. And for the rest of us, again, we're just going to stand down here, fill it, you know, take a card, sit down, fill it out, and hand it back to me. We'll pray over the cards. We'll distribute it to our shepherds this week. And you'll be prayed for.
It's like I said a moment ago. If you walk away from here saying I'm not in the battle, then you, I'm not trying to be ugly, but you're blind. Because, you know, if, if you're not in the battle, Satan's got you. But if you feel these things, it's a great opportunity to be prayed for. Because we, we want to start this new year. See, the, the question is, you know, will I stand in 2022? Now, here, here's part of the truth is, guys, you're not going to stand alone. That's why God gave us each other. That's why we pray together, because there's the power in prayer. And so today, as you face a new year, I know Satan's trying to stop it before it even begins. You guys going, hand me yours. Thank you. We will pray. So for the rest of us, I, I'm just, I'll go ahead and tell you. Give me a pen, John Noel. I'll, I'll tell you the one that I'm, I'm struggling with right now. It's, um, it's the one about stress. And guys, you, you being here today has really blessed me because I thought as the week went on, nobody's going to be here on Sunday. Because half people I know are sick. And you know them too. And, and so it's like, oh my goodness, are we going through this again? I've seen churches destroyed by this. I think we came out pretty strong. What's it going to do to us? And so... I'll just tell you that's the one I need prayers about is I need to I need to not be in distress. I need to trust God. Come what may. Right? So I got the cards. John Noel's got the pens. All you gotta do is come down and get one. Write it down. We're gonna pray in just a minute. Let's all stand together and respond.